Gorgeous gaming, stunning streams, unbelievable bandwidth. It's another Lifestyles of Gagillionaires. Meet the AT&T Fiber customers winning at life with hyper gig speeds. Meet Gagillionaire Terry. While his love of streaming horror movies has him constantly on the edge of his seat, his internet bill won't give him a scare. Oh, don't go in there. I'm telling you. Because since Terry upgraded to AT&T Fiber with hyper gig speeds, he doesn't worry about data caps or equipment fees. Come on, man. The door's open for a reason. And best yet, he also doesn't stress about a price increase at 12 months. Because with the amazing Gagillionaire lifestyle comes an exquisite sense of tranquility. <laughs> Most of the time. Live like a Gagillionaire. Get straightforward pricing with AT&T Fiber. Internet that upgrades everything. No data caps, no equipment fees, and no price increase in 12 months. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. My name is Tracy Ariel, and I am unapologetically Canadian. And today we are speaking with Sufit. Actually, I should ask you, how do you say your first name? I'm only, we've only been speaking to each other online, so I only ever get to see how it's, uh, how it looks. Well, and how does it look? <laughs> it looks Original good. and fascinating. <laughs> well, it's it's spelled T S U F I T, and it's pronounced Sufit. Sufit, and I'll tell you, I, I do a ton of radio interviews, podcast interviews, and a few years ago, I was doing a what they call terrestrial radio, what some people think of as real radio, you know, with a radio station, but it was, but I, it was done on my end by phone, and she asked me before the show um, the same question, you know, usually people ask me off the air, um, as you did, and I said save it because I have a story. So anyway, uh, she asked me how you pronounce the name, and I said because she was calling me Sufit. And I said, no, no, it's to feet, 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 like feet. So she wrote down feet, right? <laughs> so, no, 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 listen. So, so that's what she wrote down. So anyway, so we start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. And today our guest is award-winning author, Sue Foot. <laughs> so she, she remembered, and it was live, by the way, because this is like radio. So she remembered the feet part. She just didn't get the... Uh, not not completely right. <laughs> <laughs> Two foot. So yeah, and there so you go. And so, where does the name come from? What does it mean? It's a Hebrew a Hebrew name, and it means hummingbird or sunbird. Um, and oh, how beautiful. Uh, yeah, and there was once an article um, in a Canadian um, uh, newspaper in Ottawa uh, that open. I think it was the Ottawa Sun that opened with something like uh, her name means to feed and or. And it makes sense because her wings are flapping so quickly you can't even see them move or something like that. And that's because your specialty is actually getting people to shine brightly. Um, it's it's fabulous. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about what got you into um, your specialty and how you actually became known in basically worldwide. I mean, I didn't even know you were Canadian until you posted a recent email to your list because I'm I've been following you for years and you just you said something about being in Toronto and I'm like, "Wait a minute, she's Canadian? I had no idea." So that's what scored me this show. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Okay, so sure. Yeah, I um uh grew up here. I've lived pretty much my whole life here. I was born overseas. I was born in Israel and uh went to the US uh when I was about three, my brother was born there and then came to Canada where my sister was born. And I've lived here ever since. Um, when I was a kid, I used to, um, 
you know, I used to perform with neighborhood kids and then I was in, you know, the folk club and the high school musical and then the city tent theater and musicals and then university and all that stuff. Um, and, uh, eventually did a professional music CD and, um, ended up on national TV in a, a Canadian sitcom for four years as the comedically evil cafeteria lady. Uh, her name was Ludmila Kropotnik. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I did that. And, um, you know, had had four baby daughters in four years. Uh, I had been a lawyer, a uh, civil litigation lawyer um, before that when I had my kids. And then um, after that, I thought, you know what, now it's time for me to go for it, for me to follow my dream. And so I did. Um, putting out, you know, performing on, on stage and, and singing at festivals and, uh, TV and, and doing this music CD. And, but then I had four kids and like a thousand or 1500 CDs in my basement. So I had to learn how to market and, you know, how to get these CDs out into the world and how to get publicity. So I got a ton of publicity and I got, you know, I was able to sell a lot of the CDs and people started asking me, how'd you do that? How'd you make top album lists on radio around the world, you know, in the folk genre, in the world music genre? And so I slowly started um, coaching other, you know, I thought I would coach people in creative industries like music, whatever, but it ended up I more coaching entrepreneurs, uh, maybe because they had the money to pay for it or were willing to pay for it because it was a business expense for them. And so for the last, I don't know, 17, 18 years, however long it is, um, I have been coaching entrepreneurs for the first few few years to follow their dreams like I did, you know, to I left law for the limelight. So I was coaching them to figure out what they wanted to be when they grew up uh, and, uh, you know, often a very, very often a second career, you know, maybe the uh, an accountant wants to leave to be a skydiver, who knows what it is. And, um, but then it became very clear that, you know, it's one thing to follow that dream, but it's another thing to support your four little babies doing it, right? Jan Arden, another unapologetically Canadian uh, person, a very funny woman, actually, singer, said that um, Canada is the only place where you can headline at Maple Leaf Gardens and still have to take the subway home. <laughs> you know, so, exactly. um, and, you know, I have to explain that when I'm interviewed on American shows, but I think in Canada, we all get it right. Canada is not, I mean, bare naked ladies, also Canadian had to go to the U S to get famous. I mean, you could have seen them any Monday night on queen street, but no, they had to go and be in the background on Melrose place or whatever it is that they did to get famous. So, Bobby Wiseman used to go to Fat Alberts where I used to sing a little underground cafe in a, in a uh, church. And yeah, they oh, say yeah a lot I used of, to live in Toronto. Maybe I saw you sing there. Maybe you did. So anyway, <laughs> um, it, it, it's that that's kind of brings us to to date. I did it for the first few years and then people said, well, can't you just write a book? So I wrote a book called Step Into the Spotlight, A Guide to Getting Noticed. Um, you know, it's recent. I was recently overseas and I don't usually check my, you know, my voicemail, my email, whatever, when I'm overseas. But I had this voicemail from this very irate Canadian guy. And he said to me, you know, Sophita, I'm a follower of your work and I'm a big fan and I'm in your group and your LinkedIn group, whatever. But I have an issue with you. Why are the spellings in your book 
American spellings. Like this is the issue. And I had to explain to my brother, I had to explain to my brother why I'm calling long distance from Israel to this guy that I've never met. I don't know. I personally called the guy and he was shocked that I called him. He, I, I don't think he even knew I was calling from overseas. I, he was shocked that I personally called him to explain why I used American spellings. And the reason I used American spellings is because not everybody in Canada is unapologetically Canadian. A lot of people in Canada, you kind of have to get known in the world. Like, like you said, you know, you, you thought I was worldwide, whatever. And I am, I do, I do think of myself as, uh, you know, an international person. Um, but you kind of have to get known elsewhere before people in Canada take you seriously. So the spell, you know, color, C-O-L-O-R, you know, and it's funny because when I post online, I do use the U and then in brackets, I always put, yeah, I'm Canadian. <laughs> you know, just just to, but in the book, I thought, you know what, I want the book to be international and uh, U.S. is kind of where it's at. So anyway, that's a little bit of a backstory. I'll let you. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll no, well, actually, I'm working with a client about a, uh, on a book right now, too. And we've decided to go with this American spellings for the same reason, because uh, most of the world will accept American spellings, but um, Americans won't accept other spellings. So it's like it's easier if you want to well, be global. <laughs> I, I remember being there. And, well, yeah, U.S. is kind of considered international. I, I, when I was um, I was in the States in grade nine for a year. My dad was a may he rest in peace, was a math professor. And we were there for a year for his sabbatical. They didn't know who our prime minister was. I mean, there were times that I didn't know who our prime minister was. I mean, I know every, you know, I know the senators in the U.S. I watch the uh, the Democratic debates in the U.S., but the Canadian, I just don't, you know, it, it, it's really weird how, um, I mean, we had to have two, you know, I talk about branding a lot, as you know, and marketing. And one of the things that I find interesting is that we had to have two Americans. Uh, I think it was Don Green and I forget the other guy's name. Um, Michael, somebody maybe, uh, define Canada for us with um, Maple Leafs and Beavers, whatever, with their Roots company, right? Roots yeah. is like the Canadian company. People, they're from Detroit, right? <laughs> I know, it's I mean, you know, they, you know, I think they, they went to camp here or something, and, you know, Budman, Michael Budman. Um, they went to camp here, and I guess they but but our Canadian identity is formed by you know, American, and it's only very recently that I have come to appreciate that I'm Canadian because when I was younger, I used to think of us as, you know, the baby brother of, of the U.S. Like, we didn't have McDonald's here. We had the Red Barn. I the Red Barn. The red barn. I, mean, I love the, the Red Barn. <laughs> yeah. And then there was, I won't, I won't say it on the air, but there was some kind of, anyway, ah. I won't say it. But, um, but anyway, but, but I used to say, when we got McDonald's, we became legit, right? Like we, you know, when Starbucks came, when Walmart came. And now I'm thinking, wait a second. Now I embrace it. Now I look out, I'm looking out as I'm speaking to you at the most gorgeous green, trees everywhere I walk is green and big and beautiful um, but you know what this is really it's interesting because your show is called unapologetically Canadian um, and my expertise is branding and Canada had a bit of a branding issue and now I think we're doing great at it right especially um, with this whole not my president thing uh -huh. uh, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get political but um, and hopefully this will be an evergreen podcast and and people will say who and they will have no idea what we're talking about but but you know Canada has recently uh, upped itself on the international marketplace um, but when I was growing up we were like Midge not Barbie 
Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Midge was the best friend that nobody's ever heard of. I remember for my birthday, I got Midge. I didn't get Barbie. I got Midge. You know, too. I was I, I, not Tyler Moore. What? Sorry, what did you say? I got Midge too. <laughs> did you? Oh my God, Midge sisters. I mean, who I gets Midge? Midge. <laughs> you know, I didn't appreciate it at the time. I'm thinking, why Midge? Who's Midge? Like, why are you giving me Midge? <laughs> um, Midge was Barbie's best friend, you know. There was Ken and then Barbie and Midge. There was yeah. probably a sale. And there was a skipper. No, knowing that, knowing my family, there was probably a sale on midges, so you could get a them. Sale on midge. <laughs> I'm not, actually so bonding I'm, over midge. I'm in Quebec too, so having a podcast called "Unapologetically Canadian" is particularly rebellious here. Because wow. no, the last question, as I think I warned you, will be: Do you consider yourself Canadian? And not everybody says yes. It's it's uh, it always creates an interesting conversation. That's I'll the have last to, I'll have to. And thanks for the warning. I'll have to come up with a good answer by then. But I'll forget about it for now. Yeah, so yeah, Quebec, yeah. that's Canada, right? It is. And there is, <laughs> and my my annoyance is when everyone says the rest of Canada here. I'm I'm really quite annoyed. I'm like, what do you mean the rest of Canada? <laughs> well, you know what? I have to tell you, when I was applying to law school, not law school, before law school, when I was applying to undergrad, I got a nice scholarship offer from McGill, and did not get initially, or didn't get a scholarship from U of T. And my dad said, go to U of T. I mean, like, it, it was pretty unsa- – It was things were unstable at that time. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, it, uh, it's not unstable anymore. I mean, it's uh, – Yeah, you know, but, but at that time, it, at that time it was. Now it's it, – it, I mean, it's gorgeous. But enough about you. Let's talk about me some more. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, what I want to talk That's to you about is actually – It's thing special- to say, isn't it? Well, it's fabulous. Um, I do want to talk to you about your branding expertise because I found I, I uh, learned about you because of your LinkedIn group, which has been going on for quite a while and isn't as active now as it was then. Um, but I just found it fascinating some of the uh, experiences that you talked about on that group. Um, what are your three or maybe, well, let's start with your favorite uh, solution that you've helped someone find when it comes to well, making before, their branding. Before, before we- before we get to that, let's just correct what you just said. We're as active as ever um, in, in our LinkedIn group, which you can see at spotlightgroup.biz. The challenge that we're having there is that LinkedIn is not sending notifications in the way that they used to. Um, oh. So people are finding it a little bit more challenging to to find. You know, we can't search our group the way we – I mean, they made a lot of um, – uh, changes in the fall, you know, the, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of changes. Um, it wasn't broken. They fixed it. Uh, but that said, we've managed to attract the who's who of Whoville to the group, not just people like you, but you know, the entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneur magazine editor in chief and, uh, no, I love uh, that know, group. And that's why award winners, we are, we are active. We are active. We, I, you know, we, we'd like to be, um, Oh, I'm one of those uh, to get more uh, notifications sent out. But yeah, that's one. I'm one of those people who doesn't see it often enough because it LinkedIn. I, well, I didn't no, realize. You know what our- you know what our members do? I created a, a forward, www.spotlightgroup.biz, B-I-Z. And by the way, any of your listeners who want to join our group, go to spotlightgroup.biz, send a request to join. And if I like you, maybe I'll let you in the group. <laughs> no, actually, if you tell me you're a friend of Tracy's or if you had a midge doll, um, you're right away in. <laughs> anyway, um, but uh, but so the group the group is very active. And people, what they do is they keep that 
spotlightgroup.biz forward on their desktop. And they're in there every single day. In fact, the Huffington Post uh, business wrote about us as being one of the few LinkedIn groups that has not become a ghost town. In fact, LinkedIn itself has contacted me, several people at LinkedIn who work for LinkedIn, and interviewed me about how I keep the group so engaged. And in fact, very recently, one of them said um, that she was interviewed for uh, a big U.S magazine and she mentioned our group uh as being one that embodies the uh you know the purpose of uh, linkedin but anyway to answer your question you asked about solutions what do you yeah, want to just I, I narrow wanted, in a, a little yeah, bit well what i wanted to just talk about was um you because your specialty is helping people uh, get attention on their brand and and get the right kind of attention. And so I just wanted to talk about one of the solutions that you've come up with with people because you're constantly. I mean, what the thing I love about your group is that everybody talks about personal stories all the time, and they talk about how they've solved something for themselves or for others. And you're one of those people who always is mentioning an interesting story. So I thought it would be fun to talk about one of whatever one you think would be fun to talk about for the right now sure sure i mean i'll just give you an example of one of my clients but i have to say i mean like if you want to be i can be general and i can be particular i mean let, let me start with general for a second and then i'll tell you one or two particular stories does that work that's perfect okay so in general if you want to get attention for yourself or your brand obviously the things to do are get out there and speak um you know, speak to networking groups, speak to business groups, speak at conferences, whatever. If you want to know how you get speaking engagements, for me, I went to business networking events, did a really good 30 seconds. Um, I thought of it like a 30 second show and people started asking me to speak, you know, uh, paid engagements, not paid engagements, depending who the audience was. If it made sense, I did it. Uh, even, you know, keynoted at a bunch of conferences and many of those came from just going to a, the local Chamber of Commerce, Board of Trade, BNI, whatever it is, LATIB, and just do 30 seconds. So that's one way. The other way is to write a book, which, as you know, I did step into the spotlight, a guide to getting noticed, um, or start writing articles and get them on, you know, article distribution sites, get them on other people's blogs, do it on LinkedIn, whatever, be active in social media, join groups. Uh, I'm a member of other groups as well, not only my own. And, um, uh, and maybe, you know, create your own platform like I did with the uh, LinkedIn group. So those are kind of general ways that you can get noticed and get known. Uh, make sure when you open your mouth that there's some, that there is story. You mentioned story, that there is a story to it, that there is some color, some flavor, some humor, something, you know, that makes it stand out. I have so many clients who are like coaches or financial advisors and they're saying the same old boring stuff as everybody else. That's not going to get you noticed. Uh, to get a little more particular, I'll give you a couple examples of how I help my clients do exactly that. I had a client who um, came to me because she she had a speaking bureau, but she was not a professional speaker herself, speakers bureau, and but she was invited by one of the professional speakers associations to come give a speech because she ran this bureau. And she came to me because she said, Sufit, I don't want to look bad in front of these people, and my speech is kind of dry and boring. And I said to her, well, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Your speech is dry and boring. Uh, let's see what we can do about it. Uh, I, I'm not very good at tying up the truth in a pretty red ribbon. I just tell it like it is. So what we did was I asked her about, you know, her story. I asked her, you know, tell me about you. Tell me about you as a kid. What did you do? How was your uh, childhood? And she said, well, she grew up on a tomato farm and she used to help her dad pick tomatoes and um, take them to market. 
And I said, well, that's interesting. And that can help us add some color because tomatoes are colorful, right? They're red. You can visualize them. Um, and so we made this analogy between tomatoes and speakers. And we said in her speech that some speakers are just seedlings and they're not ready for market. They're just growing. Others are still too green to go to market. Others are ripe and plump and juicy and ready for market. And other tomatoes are just plain rotten, just like some speakers. <laughs> so she used that she used that analogy. We dressed her up in some red gingham or whatever it was. She went to this thing and she was a hit. She said there was a lineup of people waiting to speak to her afterwards. So any one of us can do this. I had another client who used to go to the networking events and she'd do her 30 seconds and she'd say, hi, I'm so-and-so. I have a graphic design company. So for all your graphic design needs, whether it's a website or a book or a brochure, you know, we can help you or business cards, we can help you. And so finally, one of her friends pushed her to come to me which it took her about two years to get around to doing it. And uh, when she finally did, I said to her, what's the matter for you? <laughs> Everybody <laughs> has an uncle or a neighbor or a, you know, uh, a friend who uh, is a graphic designer, everybody. And nobody needs your silly little websites because everybody's got some nephew. I mean, my first website was made by somebody's nephew for a few hundred bucks, right? Uh, it was a, a young kid in high school, okay? And that was then, right? That was like 20 years ago. Now, are you kidding me? You do your own, right? So that's not going to do it. But I said, books, not everybody does books. So she changed the name of her business to wemakebooks.ca. She made a plaque for her because she had a brick and mortar business as well. She made a plaque that said wemakebooks.ca for the front door. Um, so that was part of it, getting narrow in particular. But the other part of it was telling her story. So I did the same thing with her. I said, okay, tell me your story. Tell me where did you grow up? Where were you born? Well, she told me a very interesting story that she was born in the Swiss Alps. And she grew up in a 600-year-old farmhouse at the top of the hill and or mountain or whatever it was. And she asked, used to have to go. She loved books. She used to love to read. She used to have to go down all the way down to the valley to um, uh, get books from the library because that's where it was. And I said, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we said that your favorite book was Heidi? And she said, Sufit, it was. The reason I suggested that we, it would be cool to say that other than the Swiss Alps thing is because her name was Heidi also. Uh, no. Although Heidi with a Y. Yeah, you can't make this stuff up. The only difference is she was Heidi with a Y instead of with an I like this story. Anyway, so we tell this story. Um, she starts telling it at networking meetings. It changed everything. All of a sudden, she wasn't shy and talking into her lap. You know, when she, she, she held her head high and she started talking only about books. She started getting known for books. Well, so much that to the point that when I taught the book creation workshop, which, you know, I, I teach people how to write books. Um, I brought her on as a guest um, for, uh, you know, the part about actually getting it published or self-publishing a book um, because she got a lot more confident uh, about uh, about speaking. And 
that came because she was telling a good story that people were interested to hear. But if she had, she could have gone for the rest of her life telling the same old boring story about, hi, we're a graphic design. I mean, who isn't, right? Yeah, no. And, so and there are a couple of examples. Yeah. That, that's fabulous. Those are that's exactly the kind of examples that um, I saw you speaking about in the LinkedIn group um, continually. And actually, your email list is fabulous, too, because you've taken to, I don't know what gave you this idea, but lately you're sending us different ads that you really like and why you like them um and that is yeah, I'll, t- I'll tell you why which, actually i love t- it I, it's a spot of brilliance I'll tell you why. First of all, for any of your listeners who want in on this, if you go to www.spotlightsecrets with an S at the end.com, spotlightsecrets.com, put your name, your full name and your email address. A second form will pop up thanks to the Canadian government with anti-spam regulations, uh, Castle. A second form will pop up and you'll have to put your name and email again in your country. Once you do that, you're confirmed and you will get the same series that Tracy is speaking about. And I'll put now, it in the how show notes it- too, by the way. Oh, I will put all. Yes, wonderful, wonderful. So, how that came about was, I decided uh, 13 years ago to share a few tips. It was 11 spotlight secrets. That's all it was going to be. It was 11. When I was done, I was done. I wasn't going to bug people. I'm Canadian. We're polite. We don't. We're not aggressive marketers. I wasn't going to bug people for the rest of their lives. Okay. So, 11 tips, and it was over. Right. So, I go to this conference in Dallas, and one of the loyal people on my list. Uh, which has been going since, uh, yeah, for 13 years now. One of the people on the list said to me, Sufit, how come you stopped sending me emails? And I said, well, there were 11 tips. You got them over 11, you know, it wasn't exactly 11 weeks. Sometimes they're a few days apart, sometimes a week, sometimes 10 days. But you got all 11. I'm done. I don't want to bug you. She could, what do you mean bug me? I love your stuff, right? So I came home. And wrote a 12th one, which said, I went to a conference in Dallas. I met this woman. She told me, how come you stopped? Like, I just told her the same uh, on this 12th email. I just told the same story I just told you right now, which was the truth, right? Mm -hmm. So that was the 12th email. And I said, okay, I'm going to keep sending you guys stuff, right? And I thought, well, what am I going to send? Because the first 11 were about, you know, how you stand out in 30 seconds. But after that, I thought, okay, what else can I share? So if I saw an interesting ad or if I, you know, maybe reasons to write a book or I forget what I've added over the, but now there's like 900 days. Now they don't come every day. I think they come more or less once a week now. The first few days they are more like three in a week and then they're down to every seven to 10 days. But I've got almost two and a half you know, hopefully soon to be three years worth of that. And you know what? I've had people on there for 13 years. So when they're done, they just go back to the beginning and start again. Um, because, you know, you don't get it all at once. Just like I've had a woman who tells me she's read my book 35 times because you see stuff that you didn't see the first time that you read it. Um, now, I'm feeling a little bit of pressure that I have to keep adding because I'm thinking, you know what? Like, I know that a lot of the people are at a certain point where soon they're going to run out. Um so I keep thinking, okay, what can I add? What can I add? And uh, so whenever I see something cool, I just, you know, take a few minutes and uh, add another to the series. Um, it's a, it's a, it works on an autoresponder, so I don't physically send it out because it means that people get it wherever they are in the sequence. So if you, if you start today on day one, you're not going to get the, the note that Tracy got today you're going to get the day one note. Yeah, which is, um, the, but those 11 tips are worthwhile too. So it's worthwhile signing up regardless of when you're to sign up. I mean, it's... Uh... Well, th- thank you. And I'll just tell you that I've had more than one and more than two and more than three. I don't even know how many people ask for permission to syndicate those first 11 tips on their 
website or to put them in their newsletter or in an article um, because people do want to share them. Yeah, yeah. Well, because what you specialize in is important to everybody, regardless of where they are in their entrepreneurial journey. You you still need to be standing out for, you know, whatever you're trying to do. You can't do anything unless you start with standing out. Well, and you know that's so true because I was I was actually watching the tape of the Democratic uh, convention uh, last night because I missed it when it aired, and it it really struck me how some people understand the concept of sound bites or thirty seconds or or giving an answer that has an end to it, and other people just ramble on until somebody says, "Okay, that's enough. We're moving to the next person." Like they just don't get it the concept that if you know your time is limited, like if you're on. I mean, this podcast is, you know, a long form podcast, so I can, you know, speak a little bit more at length. But when I do radio interviews, if you're on drive time radio, it could be a five minute spot, it could be an eight minute spot. I've done TV where it's like eight minutes. That goes in a blink of an eye, like you just open your mouth and it's done. And you're thinking, seriously, we're done. You have to learn how to be effective and be um, not just articulate, but but to stand out in such a short period of time, and also to make what you say remarkable enough that people will repeat it, that people will remember you by it and say, you know, I, I saw that they may not remember my name. Sufit is not the easiest name for people in Canada to remember. T-S-U-F-I-T is not something that you see very often here. Um, but even if they don't remember the name, I remember I was at a networking meeting once and I gave a business card to the woman in charge of the meeting and she didn't remember my name, but the card stood out and what it said on the card stood out. And she was telling people about it, um, even if she couldn't remember the name. And sometimes now if people forget my name, they say, oh, you know, that woman that, you know, talks about stepping into the spotlight or even before I had stepped into the spotlight, you know, that woman that teaches you how to stand out in public and she's always and she's funny and and people would come up with my name. So you have to figure out what is your branding? What do you stand for? What and you know who's really terrible about this? Coaches are really bad at this. Um, financial advisors are really bad at this. Realtors are really bad at this because realtors will say, you know, now's a good time to buy or sell a house because mortgage rates are low. Yeah. And what realtor doesn't say that? Right. <laughs> it's true. It's like a, one but of those it, thoughts that we all have. <laughs> we know, and, and like the graphic designers, everybody has a next door neighbor and an uncle and, you know, a coworker who's a realtor. So if you don't do something to make, uh, to stand out, the same coaches, I, I was speaking at a coaching conference in Las Vegas and um, I met probably a thousand coaches and 999 of them probably said the identical, I mean, some were life coaches, some were business coaches, but they all said more or less some version of, I help my clients break through the barriers and I help them, you know, see a bigger vision and blah, 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 blah. Well, I don't remember any of them, but there was one woman, one coach who said, um, I help. Uh, bosses that are have been identified as aggressive, or oh I forget God, exactly what the fabulous. words were. Oh, you yeah. to remember that, and you know who to refer them to. Exactly, and and you know there are some niches that are more obscure. Like um, there was a guy in my LinkedIn group who uh, coached or taught, trained 
angry, uh, angry, uh, anger management for physicians. Okay. So he had two specialties. One is the anger management specialty. And the second is for whom? For physicians. Okay. So uh, that's double narrowing. That one is to narrow on topic and the second is to narrow on audience. You got to do one or the other. Or, you know, ideally to do, you should do both. Most financial advisors don't do that. Most coaches don't do that. You know, I, I saw another, um, I think he was actually a psychiatrist or psychologist, but let's say it was a coach, uh, who coached, um, people who fell in love with inmates. Okay. That is not an everyday occurrence. You're not going to go to your local BNI or your local networking meeting and stand and do your 30 seconds and they're going to say, Oh, I fell in love with an inmate, right? <laughs> but, 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 but there are a lot of, there are thousands, I don't know, probably many more than that in the world. And if you can get articles written about you and, uh, you know, the word will spread in that small group and you will be the guy, you'll be the person in that group. When, when my music CD came out, uh, it was independently done. There was a graphic designer who wasn't, you know, stupid, like a lot of, uh, I, I shouldn't use the word stupid, but he wasn't like most graphic designers. Um, and said, you know, I'm a graphic designer for all your website. No, no. He specialized in the music industry. So, you know, like my client who specialized in books, this guy made the covers for music CDs, right? So I would go to music conferences. He would not only be on stage introducing people, but he did the little side things where you get, you know, five free minutes with the thing he would. So when I went to do my music CD, he was the first guy I called. Of course. Now, I didn't end up using him because the truth is, truth is I didn't love his designs. I used somebody else. Uh, and I actually drew the first picture and then had an artist, you know, uh, draw it and design it. But he was the first guy I called. Right. Yeah. Because he had made a, a niche for himself, a brand. Um, that's great advice. And and now when your book, you, when does your book get published? Because now you are. It came out. It came out a while ago, but people are still, you know, still buying it. They're buying it by the case and it is um, spreading to places like, you know, Par it's bringing me clients from New Zealand and Hong Kong and France. Um, it, you know, the, the good thing about a book is it's got the pass along value, right? So, you know, it's one thing for me to get my message out there, but some of my clients I've never met they met my book somewhere, you know, they ran it one, one of them. Um, he doesn't even know who told him about the book, but he's been my client for many years. Um, no, what, what, what I was going to say is the kind of thing that you would actually give out at conferences and things. So that's why I was asking when it, when it came out, because it is the perfect well, actually, version of what I think of when you think of a book and a brand message all in one, because your brand message is the cover of your book. The, the, uh, thank you. The truth is I don't recommend that authors necessarily give them out at conferences um, unless you've made some arrangement with the person who asked you to speak at the conference and they've bought them from you or it's part of your fee. Um, when it first came out, I did give some to um, a conference of bloggers because that made sense, right? Every person there is, you know, a blog, especially at that time, was a form of media. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I did that. But generally, when I go to a conference, I do something else. I make sure that the store in the hotel has my book on the counter for the week that I'm there. And <laughs> oh, that's every, brilliant. I love that idea. Which I, arrange, which I arrange a month or two ahead of time. People show up at the conference. They see my book there. They think I'm super famous, right? 
when they, and then they meet me in person, they go, Oh my God, I just saw your book, right? They don't know that I arranged for it to be there. They just think it's everywhere in the whole, you know, US and the whole continent, oh, right? I'm because so they happen to take see that it. on as a mission for, actually, I have a conference <laughs> next month. I'm going to phone the hotel bookstores right away. I mean, that's brilliant. It's not easy to, it's not easy to arrange. I will tell you that. And I don't share that very often, actually. <laughs> Because if everybody does it, it won't be effective. But there's uh, a little, you know, I do a lot of podcasts, as you know, I told you I'm doing four today, you're the third of four today. And yours is the first today that I've divulged that secret on because like I said, if everybody does it, it won't be effective for me anymore. Um, but there you go. You got a golden nugget that most people don't oh, get. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, and we are uh, coming to the end of our conversation. So as you know, the last question in my series is, do you, yourself, do you consider yourself a Canadian? And if, and what does that mean to you? Regardless of the answer. You know, I I totally forgot that you were going to spring this on me, even though you warned me uh, again. And it's interesting because I guess the answer is yes and no. Um, I'm a lot prouder and happier to be a Canadian now um, than I was growing up. I mean, growing up, I thought it was you know, we were the, the no name brand of the US. I mean, that's how it kind of felt, right? Generic. I, I now feel like we have a stronger, better brand. Um, it's green, it's beautiful, it's clean. And I really do identify with it in many ways. So in that sense, yes. And I remember after 9-11, going to my kid's school, and they played O Canada, it was just like, a few days later or the week after, I almost started crying just hearing Oh Canada. It just felt so great to be here. And, and I just recently saw the movie uh, based on Come From Away and, and yeah. you know, what happened out there. And it's very powerful. So, yes, I mean, I love the fact that I'm Canadian. Um, it, feels, it feels refreshing to travel in the world and, and say we're Canadian, which, which is very exciting to me now. And, and the roots thing did help. I mean, this, this identity of being green and clean and beautiful and natural and, and, and polite and nice and all those things are great. So in that sense, yes. And I'm very proudly Canadian. Um, in another sense, I really feel international. I mean, I am the citizen of another country. I was born in another country. That's one thing. Um, but so I'm a citizen of both. But the other thing is, I really don't think of my identity as to do with where I am. I think of my identity as me wherever I happen to be. So I do feel like I am international. That said, um, this is a great place to go. <laughs> well, that's, uh, it's, it, it, I don't, it's interesting because regardless of whether you grew up here or not, the answer to that question is so diverse and so, it, it it it's perfect for the person that I'm speaking to. And I cannot believe that you ended on global when I started with thinking of you as a global brand person. It, it, <laughs> it, it just gets a little bit deeper about how people uh, really, people who are good at being themselves are themselves no matter what they are doing, including answering the question about nationalism, which, you know, people, are, people can be uncomfortable. Are you a Canadian is actually a very uncomfortable question. So I appreciate your honesty. 
Well, you know, I, I brag about it now, though, online. I brag about it all the time because, like like I said, I, I, you know, deliberately when I'm posting, I very often use the Canadian spellings. And then always in brackets, I say, yeah, I'm Canadian or, yes, I'm from Igloo country or, you know, whatever, something. to Because, again, that makes us stand out. And, um, and I love the title of your show, Unapologetically Canadian, because the truth is when I grew up, we were kind of apologetic about it. Like we were, you know, kind of the, and now I feel like we're the superior brand. Um, that's really flipped for me. At well, least. and the extraordinary thing is we are known around the world for saying sorry too often, often. I mean, that's why I used my yeah, apologetic Canadian because <laughs> so often people say, Oh, you, you say sorry too often. You must be Canadian. <laughs> Do you know what's so funny? You know what's so funny? I just got back from overseas like a few weeks ago and I was in a grocery store and I think, I don't know if I bumped into a woman or she bumped into me or I, I or not even bump. I forget what it was, but this woman apologized to me for something which it made no sense to me at all that she should be apologizing to to me. And I kind of joked with her and I said, yeah, I'm back in Canada, right? Like you're apologizing you know, <laughs> in anywhere else. We don't, anywhere else you're pushing, you're doing, you're whatever. But here, like you're apologizing for that. Like I must be back in Canada. And we both laughed about it. <laughs> That's true. Well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Unapologetically Canadian. This episode was brought to you by Notable Nonfiction. Notable Nonfiction teaches people to grow through their own ingenuity. Find out more at notablenonfiction.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. 